This is episode 5 of Cloisterbell, a new Doctor Who podcast, and today we're talking about the Suranga Conundrum. Hello, this is Rob, and welcome back to Cloisterbell, a new podcast hosted by me and Liam, two lifelong fans of Doctor Who. And we've kicked off the podcast a few weeks ago by discussing Series 11. And this week, just like the week before, it's just me hosting the podcast while Liam's away. But he will be back next week, so if you want to check out our other podcasts, you can visit cloisterbell.co.uk, where we've discussed The Woman Who Fell to Earth, the Ghost Monument, Rosa and Arachnids in the UK. So in this episode, I'll be talking about the Suranga Conundrum. When the story kicks off, it's clear it doesn't take place immediately after the end of Arachnids in the UK. So that gives like a perfect place for off-screen adventures to fit in. So you'd imagine by now the characters will be a bit more comfortable travelling by now. In the junkyard scene with Graham, when he triggered the sonic mine, that reminded me of the time Sarah Jane triggered the landmine in Genesis of the Daleks, although she was able to escape that one. I love the sets on the ship, even just the corridors were cool. Like these sets could even be redressed as TARDIS corridors in another episode maybe, because I know, I know that they do tend to recycle sets when they make TV shows. And I mean that's happened before in Doctor Who, when the TARDIS corridors from the Doctor's wife were reused as corridors in Demon's Run. But I found that was a bit annoying because it was blatantly obvious at the time. So when the Doctor wakes up on the ship, we see quite an interesting sight to her. She's obviously pretty concerned and feeling quite insecure from being separated from the TARDIS. And of course, as Astos points out, her actions are hostile and a threat to the ship. So we'll begin to see the realisation on her face then. When they look at the star map on the screen, we'll learn that the Suranga is flying off its usual course um, through disputed territory, I think Astos said. Now, I don't know if there's a reason um, for the ship to be taking a different course. Maybe there's something I missed, but I'm guessing it was just to service the plot so the ship would fly through that dense area of space and be intercepted by the Pating. Then as things start to progress... The Doctor and Astos are teamed together, and it seems like a good dynamic. Um, so I'd assumed he'd have survived to the end of the story. He seems quite clever at first, so I was surprised when he was so annoyingly stupid and went in the escape pod. Another character in this story, Ronin, he was an android. Um, this is far from something that's new to science fiction. Obvious examples would be like Data from Next Gen, Ash and Bishop from the Alien movies, the Blade Runner movies. And when Ronan stood in the corridor waiting to confront the other medic, Malby, and that kind of reminded me of Michael Fassbender's David from Prometheus and Covenant. Because you just don't know what his true motives are, or even what he's capable of for that matter. But as it turns out though, like Ronan's deceit here, 
wasn't so serious of a matter. He genuinely just wanted to get the medicine for General Cicero. So I think his character in this story is majorly underutilised. There was definitely more potential here. Now, about the pitting, I know a lot of people seem to be hating it right now. Um, even though it was blatantly CGI, the texture was really cool, I thought. Um, maybe bordering on photorealistic. So they've come a long way since the adipose back in series 4. However, like the movement of it and the way it was presented just kind of made it a bit less believable. I don't know how they intended our reaction to be to the creature. Um, yes, it does come across as like a very serious threat, but visually it was a bit odd. We've seen that it literally eats anything inorganic, but it would have been cool if it ate people too. Like in the Critters movies, if you've ever seen those, like they eat literally anything, and mainly people. And they were terrifying. Well, they were in like the first movie, at least. So in contrast to those, the Pating isn't scary at all. Although the music playing over the scene when they faced the creature was pretty cool. Uh, quite sinister. Later on, um, Ryan and Yaz speak to the pregnant guy Yoss, I think he was called. And while this subplot might feel a bit out of place alongside the Pating plot, it's probably more important to the character progression in the story. Specifically with Ryan. So Ryan um, really seems to be affected by the whole situation with this guy, Yoss, um, by, because he's given up his kid. And he can't seem to help drawing a comparison to him and his dad. He sees that this man's essentially the same age that his dad was when he was born. And then he realises um it's essentially the same age that he is now. And then the conversation gets even deeper when Yaz asks how Ryan's mom died. And he reveals how he found her lying dead of a heart attack when he was only 13. So this gives us another glimpse into what kind of stuff Ryan's been carrying around with himself. Um, something so tragic that it shaped him into who he is now. And it's delivered so well that you can't help but feel impacted by it, I think. So this is real character development that's happening. And later on in the main story, with the Cicero um, brother and sister part of the narrative, that felt a bit more emotional um, because General Cicero was lying dead on the floor of a heart attack. Oh, well, as her heart gave in. And this was a bit of a parallel to the situation with Ryan's mum. The birth scene was another great scene for Ryan, given his speech to Yoss and Graham's reaction to cutting him open was pretty funny. But what I think was amazing about this story is that because of Ryan's bad relationship with his own dad, um, the new baby in this story is now going to be raised by its own dad rather than being given up, which is quite cool. Uh, and it's going to have a better start in life now because of Ryan. So my personal opinion of this episode. Um, I think the story ultimately felt a bit flat. The title suggested to me that there'd be some clever solution near the end. Maybe. But um, 
it was all just kind of resolved in a typical way. Although, as I mentioned before, the story has helped with the character development of Ryan. Like the set and the visuals and the acting were all great though. And without a doubt, the highlight of this story was the characters rather than the general story itself. So while it might not be a very memorable story for me, it definitely was an improvement after last week's arachnids in the UK. Thanks for listening this week. Check back next week when me and Liam will be talking about Demons of the Punjab. You can listen to this by visiting cloudstabel.co.uk.